with my laptop as a diversion. Gaggles of leggy blonde estate agents would pore away at minuscule bug-eyed chihuahuas while their boyfriends discussed the relative merits of buy-to-let mortgages. Everyone in Fulham works in property, darling, I heard one of them say, as her chihuahua leapt from her clutches towards a scotch egg the size of its own head. It seemed to be true. The entire economy seemed to be based around rich people selling houses to each other. But that's Fulham for you. You only have to walk along the New King's Road to notice that every shop is selling hand-painted doorknobs or lampshades with a three-figure price tag. I suppose the good thing about Fulham, though, is that at least it isn't Chelsea, where the lampshades have a four-figure price tag. Sunday afternoons in the Sands End were invariably busy. Red-faced youths with floppy hair shouted lispy profanities to each other through extraordinarily big teeth, much to the chagrin of the ladies. My word, Johnny, it is rough in here these days, said a woman attached to a black Labrador. She was talking to her boyfriend sitting nearby, but the words were for the benefit of everyone within earshot. It was around three o'clock and drizzly outside, just as the last of the gourmet sausage rolls were being delicately arranged on a mahogany chopping board at the end of the bar by a bored-looking waitress. £4.50, squealed the Labrador woman. Johnny sighed. He was resigned to perch on a bar stool with a pink dog lead as the rugby team tried to muscle in for a one-armed grope of his girlfriend's prize pooch. How very reasonable, said the chihuahua lady as she pushed in front of the first looking down her nose. Despite Fulham's pink shirts, red chinos and fox fur hand warmers, I had grown to like this little bend in the river. It's where the bishops of London used to live in the Middle Ages, and on sunny days I'd go for a stroll along the river. If you keep walking on the north bank of the Thames, past the Putney Bridge Premier Inn, there's a medieval church with a stone tower. In the graveyard outside, I took morbid pleasure in trying to find the oldest headstones. Some displayed skull and crossbones, carved into the stone, not unlike the ones you'd see on the flags of pirate ships. I tried to imagine the ragged congregation, 600 years ago, crossing the river by rowing boat, and at low tide having to wade up the sandbank covered in mud. Now, of course, a neat stone embankment sealed off the road and the church and the rest of man's construction from the river. That didn't stop valiant middle-aged men in wellies and deer-stalkers shirking their husbandly duties and venturing out on an intrepid quest. They would hunt for whatever hallowed object it was that Princess Ethelberga dropped on the beach while on her way to beg forgiveness for her extramarital affair with Brother Cedric. Armed with leather satchels, trowels and highly expensive metal detectors, legions of amateur archaeologists would patrol the mudflats every Sunday morning, weaving between the houseboats, left high and dry by the low tide, in search of ancient gold coins, iron swords and silver bracelets. More often than not, of course, they'd return only with a bag of ring pulls and an aggravated hernia, but I sometimes envied their sense of purpose. The river whether high or low, continued in its glorious brown inexorability, steadily dragging the remains of the day east. Athletic men in Lycra sped past in tiny boats, preparing their spindly frames for the forthcoming university boat race. Whatever the weather, there would be joggers pounding the pavements, as if to warm up for the apocalyptic morning commute, when they would all pour into the black hole that is Putney Bridge Tube. If you carry on along the river a bit further and know where to turn off the riverside path, you will find the old manor house hidden by tall trees, a secret rural idyll that few Londoners have even heard of, let alone visited. 
At the weekend, Fulham Palace is the sole domain of pretty young mothers who travel in pairs, each with a small infant attached to their chest by means of a vastly overpriced harness. There's a tea shop in the grounds where a sea of yoga pants and cashmere shawls blend seamlessly into the mountains of double buggies, each with its own built-in frappuccino cup holder, essential for those longer expeditions beyond Parsons Green. But it seemed that even the mothers didn't know what lay beyond the high brick walls of the Bishop's Park Vegetable Garden. Through the little archway, it's impossible to imagine that humdrum suburbia is only metres away, and, for a moment, you can be transported into another world. Like a scene from Alice in Wonderland, you're momentarily pulled into Fantasia and surrounded by tall roses and grapevines and lavender shrubs where it's possible to finally breathe. Then, as if by magic, bright green parakeets populate the park, descendants of a hardy subtropical pioneer who escaped his cage and spawned an immigrant community of squawking.